want it to say oh BLM or Black Lives Matter in their bio for the sake of yeah wanting to look cool yeah because like I remember do you remember like on Instagram right everyone would be going especially like celebrities they would be going live every single day for like two hours I remember at one point there were like at least 12 people doing lives on like YouTube and like uh that's fine um, hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast I know it's been like a while since I've done a new episode because a lot of things have been going on during the month but I'm back and today I'm doing an episode with Vicky and today we're talking about how TikTok turned BLM into a joke slash trend so where do we want to start first or basically BLMs, well, I want to say BLM started to get more light, but during quarantine, um, attacks on um, Blacks or African Americans have been like growing at a at a high rate, and that's when BLM started to get more light than it ever did before. And TikTok, that app, um, TikTok, the app, kind of resurfaced its way. Um, around BLM and then try to turn it into a joke and people started making um, profile pictures out of it, um, duets and basically that and they did like a duet trying to show their support slash or love for BLM and I feel like that was kind of fake but we let that happen you know it's like you know it's it's it feels kind of weird but no I get where you're coming from it's Mm -hmm. I feel like BLM or particularly in for TikTok it's full of a lot of young kids or not young kids but like the general age range or high schoolers and middle schoolers so unless you're like a legit like you know youth activist like you know out in the streets I feel like a lot of people used it to in, in a sense, it was just performative activism. Mm-hmm. So it turned it into a joke or not really a joke, but it made it think like or it made it seem like a lot of people were only for BLM to look cool, yeah. um, which kind of sucks because it overshadowed a lot of people who are using the platform to educate others and to uh, spread awareness and to spread what was happening in different cities and stuff like that. Um, I think for me, cause I didn't get into TikTok until about late June. So around this time last year, that's when I finally got onto like TikTok or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And for me, I only ever saw like protest videos or like people coming together, like going to protests or like yeah. seeing, you know, compilations of like what different protests look like throughout America or like even in like Europe and stuff like that. Yeah. So, like, on my end, it looked very, it felt powerful to me because it showed that, like, because I, I, I grew up in Baltimore, so mm-hmm. I remember, because I left the country for a little bit when I came back, I heard about BLM, you know, but it was very much unorganized, kind of like this small thing, kind of just full of angry and sad parents and, like, you know, siblings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But now it was strangers coming together, like, pro- Hello. Or the right to exist. Um, and then as soon as the George the George Floyd um thing occurred, the murder occurred, everyone just dropped silent. The whole thing just became dead silent, and it was like 
what? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Like on YouTube, they would do hour long lives about um BLM and the black hate crimes and stuff. And like, okay, they would do that and then just leave the whole situation. Like, so at least they kind of um showed that they put effort into it, but they really didn't. Like they would post um BLM or like um the profile picture or they would like um donate like, I or... stand with black lives yeah and all the video donations will be going to like BLM yeah. and education sources. Yeah or they will do um like the link the um change.org links and then that's it. Like they will never talk about it again. And people would praise that talking about oh that's so cool and like yeah we stand I remember Vinny, Vinny, um, he doesn't even talk about BLM. He's overrated. And yeah, that's case closed. So he did. <laughs> it's like hot takes did, for the day. Yeah. He did um, a thread. No, not a thread. A duet with this um, TikTok. And it was showing black girls. And he was like actively screaming at the, at the screen because he saw the black girls. And he was like trying to um, hype them up. And it's like he doesn't actually care. And the people in the comments, it was even black creators that I watched. People in the comments were like, yes, he stands us. This is why we like Vinny. Like he doesn't actually like us. These white people don't actually like us. They're just doing it for clout. And he deleted it after. Like, and it's like, if you actually really love black women, then why would you delete it? You know? Yeah, I think it's certainly interesting, though, when you talk about kind of like, you know, uh, the whole influencer thing, because mm-hmm. I've had this conversation with others because it's kind of frustrating, right? Yeah. It's like at the same time, you want them to be politically aware because you realize that they have a platform mm-hmm. um, to like spread awareness and spread knowledge. But at the same time, it's like, if they a don't talk about politics at all it seems like they're complacent or it mm-hmm. seems like you know they don't actually care which is like problematic but at the same time if they don't do like if they don't spread awareness exactly the way people want them to then they're going to catch flack for that you know what i mean yeah. yeah and so like for the vinny thing i feel like i think the issue is so particularly the response to it uh is that I think the issue is, or my issue is with the whole, oh, you're invited to the cookout or, you know, basic. Have you lived in a world where white people or people who weren't black have treated you so badly that when they do something as simple as, you know, speaking out against, you know, Mm -hmm. someone getting a black woman getting flack on the internet, it's suddenly, oh my God, they stand black women or yada, yada, yada. And it's like, it's basic respect. It's like basic human dignity. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if I were a popular, you know, YouTuber or whatever, and I saw like, you know, asking you to give somehow a moral backbone to the public, like that doesn't like, why should I care? But at the same time, it's like, if you don't say anything, you're complacent. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's like, what the heck do you do? Cause like, you want to be like, Hey, yo, you have this money. You have this platform educate your viewers but at the same time if they miseducated someone they're going to get hate for it mm-hmm. so it's like do you do you just what do you how do you really I guess that's a bigger question it's like how do influencers since we do want them to be politically involved 
how do we want that to happen and why are we relying on like if you want the news go to the news stations that's why we have journal yeah i agree i feel like with the whole and people like to push these influences to try and speak out on these topics right they like force them to say wrong stuff knowing they Mm -hmm. don't care knowing they're uneducated like if you're uneducated just simply say that but I also hate it when everyone's like, why is it that you have to take time to educate yourself on the matter? Because yeah. you're going to hate them if they say something wrong. That's why. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to say their guts. Leave them alone. Yeah, definitely. I guess certain things are like, why do you need to even think about it, right? Like in the case of like, you know, police brutality, I don't know why you need to sit down and be like, let me think about this. Let me know what to say. Mm-hmm. it's like just speak out against police brutality like it's not that <laughs> is it that hard for you to just say hey yeah police brutality is wrong and what is happening in our country is wrong if you're trying to give someone a history lesson i mean please do educate yourself but if you're just trying to say police brutality is wrong then say it exactly and mm-hmm. like it's never that hard but at the same time they don't care because these white people it's not affecting them you know it's not affecting their community or the people around them, so they don't care, and they already have privilege. Um, yeah, they already have privilege and all this money. So, like them saying this one thing or not saying it doesn't really affect them in any way or affect their platform. Yeah, I just think it's interesting because, like, speaking of like particularly white influencers, because I was thinking about it, because I was like, if you look at like BTS, right? Mm-hmm. BTS donated I think it was like what 3 million to Black Lives Matter or 3 million to like Black Lives Matter like oriented like organizations in the drop of a hat like in the drop of a you know what I've been to, to understand discrimination or even oppression like that's my thing overall it's just like how hard is it for you to just comprehend or not even comprehend because, like, sometimes we talk about, like, things like slavery and stuff like that. And I don't think I fully comprehend kind of, like, the reality of what that was either. Mm-hmm. But, like, if someone says they're getting oppressed because of their skin or someone says that over-policing is affecting their community negatively, yeah, it doesn't matter if you don't understand what it'll feel like. It's the fact that another... Because at the end of the day, it's the fact that black and brown people specifically black and indigenous people mm-hmm. are facing mad consequences for simply existing within a country exactly that was built off of their suffering that is it that is all you have to understand mm-hmm. and then you would be like that sucks let's try to change this because i talked to someone he's white he's from california and i was talking to him and i was like hey yo it's juneteenth and so he was like, okay. And I was like, hey, yo, you need to watch um, I Am Not Your Negro. Mm-hmm. And then he watched that. And then I made him watch the uh, James Baldwin uh, Cambridge debate, which is super good. I recommend it for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but he kind of watched it and he came back. And I was like, so what did you think? What did like your, he watched it and he came, I was like, so how do you feel now? Like, what are you, what are you going to do about it? He's like, well, um, you know, I, I, I feel like, I feel terrible that so many people are, you know, suffering for simply being black, you know, and going through so many things. And I was Mm -hmm. like, great, glad you realized that this is happening, that this is the reality for a lot of people. 
what are you going to do about it? Like, how are you going to possibly alleviate this suffering? How are you going to possibly make sure that this suffering doesn't continue? He goes, I'm going to do nothing. (laughs) Wow. And I'm like, wait, wait, what is this? I was like, how do you realize? And you feel so bad or, you know, not bad, but, you know, like sad about this occurring. And then the first thing you go, like when someone asks you, hey, what do you want to do? And it's like, I'm going to do nothing. Yeah, nothing. I like, mean, like, he was like, I like the mentality was like, he he watched um the film. So like, he put effort into it and he realized the wrongdoing. So that's not like, you know, I do realize that I do realize that I recognize that it's like the fact that he realized something was wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes I feel like because I actually thought about it. I was like, because I was uh, after I asked him that question, like, what are you going to do to, you know, alleviate the suffering? I've realized that unless you're literally out there changing laws or changing public opinion at a mass rate, there's not much one person can do. Exactly. And I've, I've realized that because I, I remember 2020 and anything to change themselves. Exactly. You know, I remember I used to, or not get mad, but I used to like go on like angry rants with my cousin about like white people would just like learn about oppression, and like call it a day in their book club. Mm-hmm. And I realized that like, that's really all some people can do. Like, I never realized that till now is that for some people, it's just recognizing that it exists. And, you know, making sure that you stop like, you know, microaggressions or racism happening near you. Yeah. Like, you can't do much more than that. And I didn't, it took me so long to like, realize that it's American history, you, yeah. you like one person can't change all of you know, the social fabric that our history is grounded in, you know what I mean? And it just, it frustrated me for a little bit, but then I realized that, like, just recognizing the fact that this is going on is the best thing, is the best thing for some people that's going to happen. Yeah, it's a step, it's a baby step to bigger things, or, yeah, or further recognition, I would say. Okay, so I want to touch on the topic about the um, inviting them to the cookout, inviting white people <laughs> when they um, do the bare minimum. I was, I remember I was watching a YouTube video and the YouTuber, most of my re, she's really good. I, yeah, she's a really good YouTuber. I like her videos. Okay, she was like, um, we don't, we don't praise a fish for swimming because that's the bare minimum. That's um something that they already do like you know that's common sense like a fish swims so why are you praising that fish for swimming for doing what it's already supposed to do so like for white people why are we praising them when they speak on blm or other hate crimes like it's already it should be a common task within everyone just to speak about it you know no matter how big or small your platform is so uh, saying they're invited to the cookout after they talk about it and then never touch light on it again. Or, oh, okay, I have an example. So, like, Charlie, the video on how she stole that dance from a Black creator, and then she has the um, the Black, the BLM fist in her in her um, PF um, profile picture. Like, that's the bare minimum, but then we... Then, then people say that she's an activist for Black rights and that she cares about Black rights. Did we forget that she stole a dance from a Black TikToker and made her way up to fame from that? 
or did we just push that aside? But then after this one ch- um, change of the profile picture, it's all of a sudden we stand her. She's a black activist. Da, da, da. Like, no, no, no. I think for me, it does come from the fact that it feels like black people have just like if you think about like people who are truly doing like activist work and stuff like that like unless you're Jane Elliott the lady who did the whole like blue-eyed experiment and stuff like that no one no one really is out there fighting for uh what's it called black people and so when I feel like when black people see like just one white person talk about our oppression it feels like they're finally recognizing it but at the same time, I realized, though, that, like, if you ever see, like, you know, we never say that to, like, an Asian person. We never say that to, you know, Asian people who are fighting for, you know, BLM or, you know, human rights, essentially. We never say that to Hispanic people who are out there fighting for, uh, you know, it's mainly towards white people. And it's, like, it feels always kind of weird because it's, like, what's the purpose like if you're saying you can come into the community they're in a sense already doing that by just existing sometimes in predominantly black spaces like they are naturally like the only time I feel like a white person should be invited to the cookout is like if they're your friend and you're like hey I'm bringing my friend over or if you are like your significant other you know yeah like or if you're having like a culture day and you're like yeah this is what we eat this is you know what African-American food looks like then you're Mm -hmm. like you know, you would literally invite it to the cookout. But other than that, why why send an invitation for, like, the bare minimum? Like you said, it's kind of just, yeah. especially the whole profile picture thing or the BLM in the bio, it's, like, it's kind of like that whole blackout thing that happened last year where everyone, like, posted, oh. like, a black square. Yeah. And it's, like, that was kind of, like, mm, that's my activism for the year. And it's, like, what? Yeah. It's just, it's just so wild to me because it's, like, it's the bare it's the bare minimum that I don't know how I feel about it because it, it kind of angered me last year mm-hmm. a lot because it was first like it originated like originally was for black musicians and you know mm-hmm. the music sphere because they were like hey yo listen we are going to be um you know we're going to be promoting black artists and we're going to be promoting their music they're going to we're going to be promoting their narrative through song yeah. and you know the music industry was like yeah no we're on board for that that sounds kind of neat that sounds cool um and then it somehow got uh, its way to instagram and everyone's like we're going to post a black square like what is that like people are it's like that meme where it's like people are where she's like she lost her earring and it's like people are dying kim oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's so it's so wild to me that it's just it just became the thing that it just came like virtual signaling, mm-hmm. but in the worst case, because it wasn't even like protesting. You know how like people who go to protest just for like the photo op, but like they still stay a little bit. Yeah. Like it's not even like that, you know? It's legit, oh, I'm going to post a black square on my Instagram and say blackout. Exactly. And that's it. Like that small moment, and then they get praised for it. Like, it's crazy to me. And then it was it was just so... Because my thing is, is that what is you posting a black square going to do? Exactly. Like, I'd understand if you were posting, you know, 
a black square and in your captions there were links to you know free therapy or if you were like you know like a celeb like a really big celeb and you were doing philanthropy work and you're like hey due to this blackout we will be you know uh funding black arts or you know we'll be funding you know black education you know apply for scholarships yada 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 i said it was just a black square caption blank picture blank yeah like at that point you could have also turned off your comments because like what is this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then it's hashtag blackout tuesday or something like that and you're just like oh okay that's that's it that's not gonna stop the um police from going to kill an unarmed black person that's not gonna stop black hate crimes like nothing you doing that is not gonna stop anything like you put in effort but the effort wasn't enough you know the effort was non-existent (laughs) it was like like it's just kind of weird to me it's just like because here's the thing in terms of like like because I always hear this a lot and it's like the stopping the hate crimes and the stopping like cops and stuff like that it's like even if they were to post resources of education that would never change like black hate crimes lynchings police shootings and stuff like that mm-hmm. that stuff's rooted in American fabric the CRT thing because everyone's like so anti-CRT and it's like dude like it's it just it feels like I do. I am aware who's really propagating these anti CRT movements mm-hmm. are fear mongers like on Fox News or people <laughs> far right, uh, far right <laughs> like news stations and stuff like that. Like, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, my thing is with the whole CRT debate, it's like I know we're just going down a puddle of just like black things and black current events. Mm-hmm. But it feels so wild to me because it's like if you look at CRT, if anyone's actively looked up CRT, it basically says, and I recommend anyone who's listening, you could look up the full definition at the American Bar Association. They give a really good definition as well as some history towards um, what CRT is and what it's supposed to do in its original purpose. Mm-hmm. But like its original purpose was essentially supposed to be, it was used for law or yeah. supposed to be used for uh legal scholars and it basically states that if race is in fact a social construct which it is since it is a social construct and since we live in a world a social world that's like our morals our culture is completely social then like the social blanket by said so and so if law is largely a social thing based off the morals that that people have um, then how does race affect law, another social thing? Like, mm-hmm. how do these two impact each other? And in the education sense, basically CRT is supposed to be used for, you know, if it's in fact a social thing, how has that impacted social movements throughout history? Mm-hmm. How has that impacted the way certain historical events have played out? You know what I mean? Like, how has that, like, you can't, like, look at, like, you know, like, let's just say we're learning about the Reconstruction Unit, right? And it's, like, Mm -hmm. a high school American history class, you know, you're going, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're just sitting there, like, wait a minute, if Black people were once considered property and were once slaves are still living in the same areas as people who were once their plantation owners, 
how did that affect things you know what I mean how did that impact like if you wanted to like let's just say study the impacts of the civil war uh in like North Carolina right Mm -hmm. you would want to ask yourself if like yeah they were free sure but how did them being in the same area possibly impact laws being made possibly impact um possibly impact other things you know happening within you know the so the like the social standards of the time mm-hmm. and without crt you can't critically analyze that can you no, oh my god white people bad <laughs> it's so weird because you listen to it and i remember i saw this one thing and they're like well you believe white people are evil or you believe you look at my white skin and say we were plantation owners i'm like well you all were or maybe not you, but like white people were in fact plantation owners, first of all. Um, but it's not in the sense that, oh my God, CRT is not teaching students to hate one another based off of how they look. That's like, I don't understand why learning about the social impacts that uh, race has had is such a hot point for white conservatives. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't understand, like, what's the issue? All we're doing is saying that, hey, yeah, if race is, you know, a social thing, it would explain, you know, the Daughters of Confederacy. It would explain redlining. It would explain why people thought Jim Crow law. explain why, you know, the Tulsa massacre, explain why people, like, and until were killed brutally. Mm-hmm. It would explain why the Wilmington race riots existed. It would explain, uh, you know, the race riots in New York. It would explain Orientalism in, within California. It would explain, you know, the colonization of Puerto Rico and Philippines and Guam with the Spanish War. It would simply explain these things and why people considered these things okay. And no one's saying white people bad. <laughs> like, I mean, but the reality is they are. Like, I've, I've never met a... Uh... I want to say okay white person. That doesn't make sense. I've never met a sensible white person. I've met plenty, and it's kind of weird. I think it's also because I'm involved in politics, and so Mm -hmm. you're either running into, like, especially being in the South, you're either running into sensible white people, uh, or you're running into moderates, or you're running into outright either far-right extremists or just straight conservatives that believe in like anti-semitism and like far-right extreme ideals Mm -hmm. like i think i think the thing is is that i feel like it's particularly for um black trauma facing within a younger generation is that there are a lot of people who are a lot of young black kids who are growing up with much more anger than I think I have or my friends have mm-hmm. because there seems to be a lack of isolation and it's mainstream, like pain isn't like, cause I remember growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Pain wasn't as, or black trauma wasn't as, unless you're talking about like 12 years a slave, it was never as mainstream as it is now. Yeah. And so you have whole generations of black kids who grow up, whose helplessness or what they feel as helplessness is getting 
or it's becoming anger really, really fast. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's not like that's wrong for it to have occurred or whatever. Like, it makes sense that this is happening. It makes sense that they feel so angry. Mm -hmm. My thing is, though, is that since you do live in a world that's predominantly white, Mm -hmm. if you don't learn to talk through that anger or to talk through the trauma they've experienced or gained through through life in society. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the sad reality of it. A bunch of young kids. But I'd be hearing some stuff and it's like, you got to work through this or else you're not going to be able to function within American and within American realities. Yeah. Like, I get feeling angry but you cannot be blaming random people or you cannot be letting your anger out towards random people. And I'm not trying to say this, but if you don't come to terms with it. Kind of like suppress it, suppress your emotions. Yeah, like not, I don't say, yeah, exactly. Like, so like, because I I was reading Audrey Lorde a bit earlier and she states, and, and there's, she has a, compilation of like her writings and her essays and poems out called sister outsider and she was talking about specifically black women anger Mm -hmm. at the same too where it's like white anger or white fear comes from a place of insecurity Mm -hmm. whereas black anger and black fear comes from generations upon generations of rage and sadness and oppression yeah and i'm not trying to say come to terms with the fact that you as a black person will forever be oppressed because that's depressing (laughs) that's a depressing reality to live with because it makes you not narcissistic it makes you cynical really fast in terms of protesting in terms of like actually wanting change to happen because as soon as you flip on the world nothing's ever going to change you're never going to want to fight for change and if you don't ever fight for change, then yeah, no, this will never change. Yeah. But at the you same time, oh, okay. oh, I'm sorry, you can continue. I'm sorry. All right. And then with the black trauma thing, I feel like it's not taken seriously. And oh, you're not wrong. You're completely right. Mm-hmm. And then it's taken to a point where like actual black people would like make. Okay, I want to say like a lot of black um directors would make movies on black trauma but most but most of them would and then even some white people too would do that with them um show them it was with the white director and it was wait them was directed by a white person yes it was. was it written was it written by a white person um i'm not sure let, let me look, look that up because <laughs> yeah. i was about to say hold up them because if that was written by white people i would white asian two is one two three four five oh because that would be absolutely terrible i don't because i actually saw it and i really thought that i saw the trailer because you know how like sometimes there are things that are like like where it has, uh, what's it called? Um, where it's like it's a bit of horror, but it's you know. Have you ever heard of like or like the study of like black horror? 
and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I, that's what I thought it was going to be. Um, so the first writer is black. Second writer for the second episode is white and black. I actually never, I thought it would just be like a casual little horror film or whatever. Episode of the third episode is white. So basically this is predominantly white, white writers, which is what? And the show's about a family that moved into a predominantly white neighborhood and then a lot of crazy things started happening in their house, at their school, and at their job. So knowing that and knowing that the direct directing crew is predominantly white, do we see probably gonna see a lot of stereotypes um, in that show and maybe bias ratings on black trauma definitely i mean it's already out i just because if you look at who um what's it called um like who's like supposed to be so i'm looking at the what's it called i'm looking at the um thing like the development of it and it says white so alina white said Little Marvin's script stayed with me for weeks after I read it. He's written something that's provocative and terrifying. The first season will speak to how frightening it was to be Black in 1953. It'll also remind us that being Black in 2018 is just as horrifying. This anthology series will examine the cultural divides among us, among all of us and explore us versus them in a way we've never seen before. I don't... Because from what I've seen... It's like, I think it's what, psychological thriller? Uh-huh. It's not even like, like if it was violent, that would be something, it's a horror drama. So yeah, I'm guessing it's borderline psychological thriller. I just, I have mixed feelings. Because from what I've heard, it really exploits that black pain. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the producers, the executive producer or the one who really greenlit the whole thing is Lena Wife, who is in fact, a black woman and it's just I just because here's my thing it's like it's one thing if like the black pain shows are being made and almost for uh made in for white people you know what I mean yeah so they're not really like black pain but like they're black trauma films you know like green book uh the uh what's that one with like that maids and whatever the help you know that kind of stuff I wanted to say, like, I feel like this follows along, like, 12 Years of Slave in the sense of, like, traumatic stuff for the sake of being shocking. You know what I mean? Yeah, to, like, appease the white audience. I don't think this is, I mean, I mean I've mean, i seen clips of 12 Years of Slave. I don't even think a white person's watching that and just walking out of there like, I'm completely fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> listen, it's not, like, us level of, oh, my God, not all white people are like this. But, like, my thing is, is that... I'm just, I guess I'm wondering, is that who is this comforting? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they're trying to say it was kind of based off of like, a, like it's kind of like almost like American Horror Story in a sense, right? Yeah. But it's like American Horror Story, A, wasn't racially, really racially targeted. Mm-hmm. And B, it wasn't meant to provoke something. It wasn't made to make you think. However, it seems like every single time you hear of like a black trauma film yeah. written by black people unless you're jordan peele but mm-hmm. those who like heavily use like violence or uh pain 
mm-hmm. or not even paying like stereotypes because Tyler Perry is big yeah. on that too. Ooh. It's kind of reconfirming. You know what I mean? Like, for example, Tyler Perry's films reconfirm stereotypes. So in a sense, it's yeah. comforting the right, the white reader. Yeah, I'm not like, the right um, reader, but like the white audience member. Yeah, like um, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. That is actively showing stereotypes. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah. It's actively reconfirming stereotypes. That's fine for white audiences. But for a lot of people, I feel like black people kind of drove to Tyler Perry movies and film because for the first time, it's like, wow movies for black people written by a black man that predominantly stars a black family um that's just a bit too heavy like on a stereotypes like i'm honestly starting to feel like tyler perry films are borderline satire at this point Mm -hmm. um but and then you look at this like from what i've seen from the reviews right Mm -hmm. it's not comforting anyone yeah. It's violent, it's spooky, it's a psychological thriller. Like, no one's watching psychological thrillers to be comforted. <laughs> like, I'm sorry if that's you, but, um, like, what was the per- I guess that's my thing, right? Is that it's one thing if you're showing, like, for example, right? If you go, if you come down to North Carolina, go to Greensboro and see, like, the Civil Rights Museum. Uh-huh. They have some painful things, but it's not painful in the sense of, oh... I um I'm like exploiting black violence. Mm-hmm. It's painful in the sense that this is the reality as to what occurred. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they show you the body of Emmett Till. They show you what happened. Yeah. They take you the reality of lynchings of Jim Crow. And that's not comforting to anyone. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not pain in the sense that they're doing it to exploit it. It's pain in the sense that this is the reality. This is a hard code stone truth as to what was happening a lot in the South. Yeah. You know, and I feel like Get Out does that kind of us touches on it. Like Jordan Peele films touch on it. I would even say, heck, 12 Years a Slave mm-hmm. even shows the just straight brutal reality, even Roots. You know, it just shows the straight brutal reality of what American history is. This looks like it's just it's like hyper. I, I guess you could call it hyper pain in a sense. It's just hyper black pain for the sense of just being like, ha, this is a reality. Like, no. Yeah. If it was a reality, it would be like Judas and the Black Messiah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It would be like Roots, 12 Years a Slave. This is you just freaking people out for the sake of freaking people out. When are we going to come and realize that this is not helping the black community? It's actually hurting us even more, you know? Like, we already have so much more to deal with on top of these movies sometimes made by white and or black people yeah, i guess that's my thing too is like you never see this for white people mm-hmm. like you never see like explicit movies about you know what the english were doing like to the irish and scottish you know what i mean mm-hmm. you never see or hear like matt you heck you don't even see mass made movies about the holocaust which is interesting considering how much we learn about the, I mean, even not like the true realities of the Holocaust, but like they mention it every single year since like elementary school. Yeah. Like they don't even mass make, you know, movies about, you know, World War II and, you know, chemical warfare. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we only making movies for, 
Like, what's the purpose in that? Like, if you're going to have reality, have it be a documentary. Have it be, you know, topic. Have it talk. Have it literally just be about the reality of it. Not make it super hyper pain Mm -hmm. just to draw audiences in. Because let's be real here. Most Americans can't probably stomach the reality of what happened. Jim Crow era. Mm -hmm what happened reconstruction area like most if you made a movie about just like the cold reality of what happened and what our american hospitals are founded on most people probably couldn't stomach that you don't need to hyper sexualize it or even hyper or put in more pain than necessary mm-hmm. you know what i mean like our pain alone or just our reality alone is painful enough mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then we're seeing it being depicted on movie screens and people are laughing about it and having a like non-black people or mm, I would say yeah white people would be laughing about it and having a great time but we're seeing our pain being depicted on tv screens and in movie theaters and stuff like why can't we get shows about black vampires or more biopics like um I hope I'm saying it right. Yeah, bio. Um, my thing is, is that or what I certainly hate about black pain being mainstream, is the fact that a lot of white people specifically, or I won't even say white, just like a lot of people, a lot of white people whose communities have never actually faced violence before, they share this stuff. It's like on Instagram, you know, like they share people being shot or they share like like, explicit stories of those who were, like, killed in protests and, like, killed, you know, last summer. And then they let it go. Like, that's their little activism for the day. You know what I mean? Like, any community who's experienced pain, particularly police or government-funded pain, Mm -hmm. no one ever would look at them and be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to post and, like, share around. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't... Like, that's like asking someone, like, let's just say a Vietnamese person came to America, right? Straight after Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And we had Instagram back then and everyone was just sharing videos of, like, the Vietnam War. Why would you do that? Who in their right mind would be like, yeah, let's mm-hmm. just share explicit videos of, like, you know, Vietnamese people dying as if we don't have a huge Vietnamese population coming to America to find solace from that war, mm-hmm. from that violent yeah. pain. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's so weird because... And it's just, it's so, it's not only dehumanizing, mm-hmm. but after that, so many people become non-empathetic to people dying anymore. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Is that either A, your anxiety surrounding death spikes mm-hmm. to the point that like anytime your parents go out, you're just concerned when they might be back, yeah. you know, or if they're even going to come back. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you, like, it's come to a certain point. Like, when I hear about school shootings, they've happened so many times, I just go, oh, another one? Mm -hmm. Like, I know it sounds bad to say, like, aloud, but I'm just going to say what everyone's thinking, you know? Like, we've seen school shootings happen so many times. And nothing is being done about it. We, like, we, like, as Americans see this stuff and we're just like, oh, it's happened again. We're going to go through the same cycle again. You know, we'll protest a little bit, maybe have a walkout. 
you know, hopefully, you know, go on Fox News, go on MSNBC, go on CNN. Everyone's going to ask, oh, what happened? How did this happen? How did this continue to happen? And then we'll go back to, you know, American politics as usual, you know? Yeah. I remember, I think it was like 2018. I nicknamed it the Bloody Summer. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Pulse Nightclub. You had the shooting in Texas. Yeah. You had mass deaths from hurricanes mm-hmm. um, in Puerto Rico. I No, that was 20, that was 2016, 2015. Yeah. But yeah. either way, you know, you just had like mass deaths, like back to back to back over the course of like several years. And it just started to go into a point where it's like, oh, another one happened again. Mm-hmm. Like, is it like it's shocking because it's like, dang. Because the numbers, like, it's continuing to happen, but the numbers keep on rising, you know? Yeah. Like, when we were younger, right, it was, like, what, eight people dying maybe a summer in, like, mass shootings? Like, I'm pretty sure over 200 people died in one summer alone. And we reacted to it like it was something normal. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, when you think about, like, how much pain is just casually on the internet or how much pain... The average American, I can't say it because, like, obviously they're complete war zones. So I'm not trying to compare our violence to, like, war zones. Yeah. But, like, to a sense, it becomes so normalized because it's such a striking parallel to your usual day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's mass influx of deaths and dying and, like, mass shootings. And then one week later, we'll act like nothing ever happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't want to push everything on the lawmakers, but at the end of the day, it's up to them. Like it really is. It really is. The, they have the decision or slash choice to be able to stop all these things from happening. But it's always. Um, I remember the um George Floyd when he died, and then um um they were. What were they doing? I forgot though. But Nancy Pelosi. Came. Oh, and then the Kunta not the Kunta tape cloths, but they were wearing the uh, traditional cloths, and they kneeled. Yes. And we said, "What?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, and that's different, but that's not going to help anything." So Nancy Pelosi, she she went on. She was like, um, "George Floyd um, made a great sacrifice." Oh my god, I remember that. They're not doing anything, but they're talking about. Like Biden made a whole strategy about how he's gonna help um BLM and he's gonna do all of this stuff, da 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 and nothing happened. Nothing. He got elected in what, November and it's June, almost July. Nothing is happening. I can't stand that man. They really say he really spoke with this whole chest. He's like oh my gosh, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this. And I understand as a person who was in student Congress and I don't even want to say I want to work for Congress, but like at this point, it's honestly the only way we're going to actually see change. So somehow, somewhere I'm going to find myself in Congress, hopefully helping, you know, make change. But like, I get that, you know, things have to go through the House and they have to go through Senate. And, you know, obviously we have some really weird far-right extremists and you know, in both the House and Senate and overall people who don't even care anymore. They just want to be anti-Democrat, whatever the heck that's supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like you you yourself haven't done anything. Like he himself has even tried to push them sin, the thing. And the fact that we really hope that Kamala Harris was going to do something for black and brown people 
for like yeah. POC as a whole, you know? And it's like, you mm -hmm. know, she's black and she's Indian and she's going to actually do stuff. Mm -hmm. That woman really went with her whole chest down to Guatemala and said, don't come. Stop coming here. Like, what? Didn't your whole administration stop, like, promise to, like, defund ICE, stop deportation, like, mass deportations like they've been doing? And you go with their whole chest to a foreign country that we have, like, if you look at the history of South America, Central America, we like, half the problems going on there, we've caused. We caused most of those problems. And so for her to go with their whole chest as the vice president, representation of America, just be like, mm, don't come. Mm-hmm. As if you didn't, as if your government, the, the face, like you're the face of the government currently is almost forcing them to move out of their homes. Exactly. I just, oh, t and then let's talk about the fact that we're basically going to a red scare part two. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to, yeah, the Kamala, I really expected her to do um something. And I was talking about this in um, one of my classes. Um one of the students brought up the fact that um, Biden just picked Kamala for the, um, and it's like the Asian crimes, like I understand. That's something, that's something that's been going on during this COVID pandemic and stuff, you know, but um, I don't understand why they would go to TikTok and then start to um, try and preach about how well, um, do the same thing you did with BLM and like stretch, um, try and shed some light on this, like you know, um, do this like you did with BLM, like actively comparing, um, the Asian hate crimes to BLM. police brutality, yeah, to BLM. Like, there's no correlation, they don't correlate, they don't balance out. It's so it's just like, like, why. You know, mm -hmm. and I saw that a lot from other black activists that I speak to. They're just like, why are you trying to compare the two? Being like, why? Like, what's like, I get you feeling messed up because, yeah, I understand the argument that the Asian identity is a very large ignored identity within America. However, that has nothing to do with BLM. Like, I, I think that also the big thing is, is that a lot of people don't actually recognize, like, BLM and what it's for. I feel like a lot of people might recognize as only a social movement and not a political movement. And so they feel like they're the same. When in reality, like I just said, it's not. It's not the same. It's a political movement. It's not a social one, the way Stop Asian Hate is. Um. I guess my thing is overall in terms of the comparison or in terms of like a lack of certain things or just like my thing is in this maybe just because I'm tired, but I've just kind of learned to just not hold everyone up to the same standard. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I know it sucks and you're just like, I want everyone to be passionate because at the end of the day, it's not about necessarily black lives. It's about the way we are as America. <laughs> It's about our whole history. It's not just, oh, Black Lives Matter. Like, it is, but at the same time, Black Lives Matter is supposed to be addressing all of American history and trying to change, not change American history, but change our trajectory. And so for me, when I see people do that, like, unless they're straight up hating Black people, I just honestly leave it alone at this point. 
there's way too many things I have going on in my mind, you know, besides school. I'm also involved in advocacy over here. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, I just kind of go, you can say that, but as long as you're not actively hating black people or being colorist, yeah, I don't care. Because some people say that they're like, why weren't you out for, you know, why aren't people out for anti-Asian lives like Black Lives Matter? And it's like, well, either because they simply aren't or because you need to recognize they aren't the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's that. Or, but like at that point, if I see those comments, I'm honestly just like, you know what? Oof, you know, it sucks that you don't recognize that they aren't the same, but I'm not going to try to get into argument with you. Yeah. Um, but if they're just like, why is it that people only ever care about Black people, huh? What have they ever actually done, you know, for America? That's when you have to step in because that's not, that's not just attacking. At that point, it's gone over, you know, why aren't you out here for anti-Asian hate? It's just straight up using anti-Asian hate as a way to spread your anti-Blackness, which is kind of weird. Um, like, if the IDF are a bunch of colonizers, my guy, that is a no anti-Semitic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. anti-semitic would be like oh yeah and that's why jews rule the world and uh what's some other anti-semitic trope um because they just want to take over everything because you know they're greedy jews in their blood that is pure anti-semitism like if you say that i'm sorry um we're fighting we're fighting because it's stupid yeah it's like it's so sad though hearing how many like jewish dog whistles are not like dog whistles like anti-semitic dog whistles in conversations with people because you be talking about like white supremacy you know and its effect on people and they just be shouting like some dog whistles and you're like hold up hold up i i can't stand for this in this discussion the least you can do is well i guess a big thing you can do though if you're like still curious is like stopping anti-semitic and recognizing dog whistles Mm -hmm. that's a good thing and also just an not acknowledging but like educating yourself and others on like the history of the conflict and everything um and not even a conflict it's not really a conflict because that would mean that there's like two powerful sides batting each other out like no um there isn't (laughs) one side just straight up being a colonizer that's it's it's that simple um but recognizing the fact that there's something going on in stopping anti-semitic dog whistles because some people really think coming out of the woodworks with their anti-semitism and it weirds me out though how much anti-semitism is in the black community like i'd be talking especially like older black people and they'd be saying some stuff i'm like hold up you are aware that's an anti-semitic you know rhetoric right that's been passed by white supremacy like why are you repeating this like it's normal yeah it's just weird to me out though overall like at the end of the day how there's a lack of intersectionality within movements like i will recognize that because like it doesn't make sense where it's like i'm gonna pick and choose what i'm gonna be an advocate for yeah like, i understand there's certain things like you know if i'm i'm really big into education and education reform and you know r- racial justice within education I'm not going to really be focusing on other things because that takes up a lot of my time. However, that doesn't mean I will be educating myself and sending out resources to others, you know, about other things, you know, not being knowledgeable about other things. Mm -hmm. Like if you're against racism towards black people, you should be against anti-Semitism. You should be against xenophobia because they're all in the same vein. You can't be like, yeah, I hate uh, race-based oppression 
or you know and stuff like that but i will hate mexicans yeah like i hate over policing but i support ice like what is that who says they're not gonna come for you next like why exactly it's like yeah uh i hate the fact that um you know america likes to you know recruit people for the military you know at a super young age not super young age but i hate that they target primarily low-income black communities but you don't support palestine Mm, like how can you not support war but and then you know what i mean like it's just very Mm -hmm. some people be out the like coming out like oh yeah you know i really uh i do not like over policing but you support ICE. I don't like over-policing, but you don't support defund the police. Uh-huh. I uh, don't like gangs, but you don't like uh, reparations. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, why were you be... It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I absolutely hate, you know, the fact that a lot of Black people aren't getting educated and stuff like that. But I also hate the fact I don't want handouts from the government. Like, I could work for it myself. Like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> what is this nonsense? I hate racism. But yeah, I will be anti-Asian just because. Like, yeah. Did I miss something? Did Did we collectively miss a couple of chapters? How did we get here? Exactly. And it's like picking and choosing. But like, most of the stuff that you were mentioning, they go together. So. Right. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like. Okay, it's like, do you really support that one thing? Okay, so, like, if you don't support, if you support this one thing, but you don't, and they go together and you don't support the other thing, it's like, do you support that one thing, or are you just being mm-hmm. a performative activist? Like, like do you, like, you'd be like, oh, I support Black Lives Matter, but you're not a feminist? You're not a womanist? Yeah. I'm confused. So you support Black Lives when it's men, or... Like, how are you going to be like, I support Black Lives Matter, and I think it's really bad, the oppression that's happening to Black people. Are Do you speak out against misogyny within the Black homes? Do you speak out against colorism? Featurism? Oh, or do you like- only speak out against things that do not benefit you? Mm-hmm. It's like, I stand with Black Lives, but I continue to actively show stereotypes, or I play as a stereotype to make other people laugh. And I know it hurts the black community, but I'm still doing it because I'm making money. You know? I think the money thing, because that I feel like falls under and not 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 like uh what's it called? King Bach. That was that man's something else. I don't know what the heck that was about. Um but in terms of like making money, because I remember we had this I had this conversation with someone else over I think it was with Rita Mar- over Rita Marino. Um mm-hmm. And we were talking about, like, the original West Side Story because she played Anita in the original West Side Story. Mm-hmm. And she came up to Tongs because she revealed herself to be colorist when in regards to In the Heights. And <laughs> and so we were talking about it, and she was – and I, someone said that, like, you're just as bad. And we were talking about how, you know, obviously in the original West Side Story, everyone besides Rita Marino was a white person in brownface. Um, you know, they all painted their skins, put on fake accents and whatnot. And, you know, I was and someone said that you're just as bad as them or you're just as complacent as them. Um, if you, you know, allow yourself to be in productions like that. And it's like in terms of entertainment, particularly for acting, I do realize things have changed. 
And obviously things aren't that bad, you know, it's a bunch of white people doing brown face, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that that would that would get you shut down immediately. But or at least incredibly constantly, unless or unless you want to be Scarlett Johansson, you know. Um but it's kind of weird and talking about acting because everyone's like, why don't you just not do color purple anymore? You know what I mean? If it's so bad for the black community, like why 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 do you continue to uh, put that show on? You know what I mean? Yeah. If certain shows are like so bad for the black community, or even the Asian community, because like think about it, like Miss Saigon, right? It's just heavily Orientalism. It's heavily fetishizing Asian women. You know, it kind of largely plays into the white men are Asian women saviors and whatnot. Um, like why continue to do those shows or why continue to be in those shows? And it's like, that's all we have, sir. Like in her case, specifically being an actress in the sixties, that's all she had. It was either that or don't act. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for a lot of people who dedicate themselves to acting, it's either that or don't get paid. You know, you don't devote yourself to this. And it's like, yeah, there's bad things. And yeah, we need to start changing these narratives because it's getting tiring. Mm -hmm. It's getting sad that that's the amount of rep for, you know, Hispanics and, um, you know, Asians and Black people. And even, heck, there's not even Indigenous representation. Um, But it's like, that's all we have for right now. Yeah. So unless you decide to create something else that, you know, is more positive... We can't really just be like, no, I'm not going to be in that because I'm not going to get cast in something else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's either I do, uh, what's it called? Not in the Heights, but it's either I do uh, once on this island or I simply don't act. It's that simple. And if I devoted my life for this, I went to college for this, spent way too much money on this. That's what I'll just have to choose. You know, you have to pick and choose your battles. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're being complacent. It's just, that's just the reality that actors have to deal with. Um, like I wouldn't say in terms of West Side Story, Rita Moreno was complacent to brownface. It's just that's all she had to do, and also it was incredibly not. It was incredibly normalized to the point that it was accepted. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some people probably spoke out about it, but like, you either do it or you, and get paid, or you don't. And you know, she won an Oscar for that role. You know, it's like you do it, and you just gotta deal with the reality of the fact that black and brown people aren't represented mm-hmm. or you simply don't do what you love. Yeah. And it's sad that that's all we have. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like either I play the role of a secretary, you know, but at least I got my foot in the door, right? You might not want to be a secretary, but guess what? That's all you're going to get at the moment. Mm-hmm. So you suck it up, play the role and move up when you can. Right. If you wanted to work at Congress and they're like, no, you can't because you have no experience. Get that secretary job, get that experience and move right on. It might hurt your ego for now, but it might be different later. However, that being said, it's not like. I mean, it's not like blackface like in Hollywood is like that anymore. Has it been like that since like the 20s or 30s? Well, mainly the 40s. But like, it's not like no one's walking around in shows like doing blackface, you know what I mean? Or like doing incredibly just like demeaning minstrel shows like no it's not that but you know if i have to be in the color purple i'll just have to be in the color purple (laughs) that's it so with that being said um this has come to the conclusion of this episode 
I, this is like the longest I've done. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> it's okay, though. I enjoyed this conversation. And it was like really interesting with the entertainment aspect and like society, you know, going how that went with this discussion. So um, thank you, Vicky, for being um, my co-host or collab partner with this episode. And I'll definitely be doing more um, this week or maybe next week, but definitely more this month and in July because I have time, actually. Woohoo, school's out finally. Yes, finally. So I have time and energy to be able to do it. So um thank you and yeah. Yeah, it. if you want me on again, you know, you have my you have my number and stuff like yeah. that and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, just overall message to listeners, you know, be who you wanna be. Don't let oppression or stereotypes get in the way. You just gotta remember that they do exist. <laughs> that's it that's the real thing that we can do as you know people of color is just recognizing this stuff does exist recognizing yeah. you know certain hardships are possibly in your way mm-hmm. and moving on because you can't let that stop you because if you let the oppression and the hate get to you and stop you you're never going to do anything you know yeah definitely so you got to continue on do what you love do what you want and fight for or not really fight but you know create stuff for a better tomorrow yeah and be proud of your skin, you know. Yeah. That's really it. Period. Okay. Thank you and goodbye. Yeah.